How do you make a vacation last? How do you hold on to the joy, the clarity, the calm? Easy. You go to Aruba. You'll spend your time relaxing on cool, white, sandy beaches and floating in healing blue water. You'll meet locals brimming with gratitude for an island that redefines what a paradise can be. You won't just feel great. You'll feel relaxed, renewed, and ready for life. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your trip at aruba.com. Hey everyone, welcome to the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. I am Dan Lobby. This is our Tuesday edition, Texter Tuesday, where it's all questions from our Football Insider text subscribers. So let me tell you who I'm joined by today. First, uh, Mary Kay Cabot is joining me for this. Mary Kay, welcome to your first Texter Tuesday. Yeah, looking forward to it. Uh, I'm excited about these questions. And another first-timer, not just a first-timer for Texter Tuesday, but a first-timer, at least since we started going daily, uh, Doug Maurice is joining us here on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Doug, how are you? I'm, I'm crashing the podcast, and I apologize to everyone who is now turning off the podcast because I'm on it. <laughs> <laughs> well, don't, well, don't turn it off because we got lots of great questions. Uh, let's start here. Let's just get right to it, and then we've got some fun questions at the end, too. Uh, that we're going to get to, but a lot of football questions, and we're going to start with this draft question from the 440 area code. We've talked a lot about Isaiah Simmons and the potential if he falls to 10 in a left tackle, but we haven't talked about this scenario, and it is, if you were the Browns, would you trade up for either Isaiah Simmons or Tristan Wirfs, who are this person's two favorites for the Browns in round one? So we haven't talked a lot about the trade-up scenario, potentially. Uh, Mary Kay, I did a fill-in-the-blank last year where I said I would take calls to trade down, uh, what would you do? It, do you think it's wise for the Browns to consider trading up for either of those two prospects? You know, I probably would explore it for Isaiah Simmons, but I do think that the Browns will have a tackle that they really like that falls to them at number 10. So I don't think that they would have to trade up for a tackle. But if they see that they can get their hands on Isaiah Simmons and then maybe come back later in the round and end up with an Ezra Cleveland or somebody like that, and then you walk away with those two players in the first round, I actually think that wouldn't be the worst idea of the world. in the world. Of course, you don't want to give up a lot of assets, uh, and you, know, you don't want to give up the farm to do something like that. But if you can make it happen uh, without too, sacrificing too, too much, it's something that I would definitely consider for the defender. Doug, uh, would, would you look at trading up for either of those guys? No, no, I, I feel like the the depth of talent at tackle and the need at tackle is such a nice fit for the Browns. Um, I'm just assuming Simmons, it's like, I, I'm having a hard time having any Isaiah Simmons discussions. Cause it's like, I th- I've said this before. It's like Isaiah Simmons, he's the most talented defender in the history of football. Do you think the Browns can get it? It's like, no, he's going to go at four. Um, but no, I would not trade up because I don't, I, I don't have the list in front of me. It's not like they have a bounty of extra picks anymore. Right? Like I, I would much rather, I mean, if you're sliding back a little bit because you hit like multiple guys, but I just don't feel like they're in a position to, to try to be moving up. Um, Mary Kay's scenario, like Simmons and then a tackle in round two is like is really interesting. And if he falls to 10, I could see entertaining it. I could not imagine giving up assets to go make it happen, though. And it's not the analytics way to go either. We know that. I mean, they, they really like to acquire more assets, not give – things up so it's probably unlikely but if it started to fall into you know the eight range or something like that 
and you could pull it off and still get a tackle that you really like, it's something uh, that I would at least kick the tires on. Yeah, and I think Andrew Barry was pretty clear on Friday that he views the draft as a way to add affordable talent, right? Guys that you're going to control for a long time. So he really, he really values having those picks. And Doug, you, you mentioned it as far as their assets this year. Really, the only extra pick they have is uh, the third rounder that they got from the Duke Johnson trade. But then they also don't have a fifth rounder. So they've got two thirds, a fourth, a sixth and a seventh, and actually those sixth and sevenths were both uh, acquired in trades as well. So there aren't a lot of assets this year necessarily to work with, and then you're going to start reaching into your war chest in future years when those picks become a little more important because now you're paying big money for guys. And it does seem interesting, and you guys deal with this all the time. People, Fans often seem more enthused about trading up than they do about trading down. Like, let me give up more stuff. So I can move up as opposed to let me acquire more things by moving down. But sometimes when you move down a lot, then you have ammunition to move up every now and then, right? And they just, they don't have a lot of ammunition right now. So I think it would be, I think it would cost too much to go do that. Yeah. And you know, I mean, it all depends on the situation and the year and the player that you're going for. Look, look what happened to Kansas City when they traded up and got Patrick Mahomes. They went for it, they swung for the fences, and they probably landed uh, the best quarterback of the next decade. So, and, you know, they have already a Super Bowl victory to show for it. Uh, so it just all depends. You know, you just, I would never reject trading up out of hand. Uh, it, it just has to be a very wise decision. I, I will say this, and that is an excellent example, right? I mean, that is the ideal. I, I, you would give up 10 first-round picks now to get Patrick Mahomes. I think trading up for a linebacker is so different. The Browns just showed they don't – I mean, that's not a position analytically where you're going to spend a lot of money. So to trade up to get Isaiah Simmons so that in four years when he's awesome, you can have to break the bank at a, at a not – not a position where you want to spend a lot of money. Um, I especially think for, for the way the Browns are designing their team to trade up for a linebacker, especially would be tough. Okay. We're going to keep the trade talk moving with our next question. Uh, we actually got three questions mentioning this name. And I think we're going to hear this name until the Browns either draft a left tackle or they make a move to trade for this guy. Three Trent Williams questions. One from the four, four Oh area code. When do you guys see a Trent Williams trade happening? Seven, three, two area code. Likelihood they make two trades, maybe go get Trent Williams or go get the defensive end out of Jacksonville. Uh, I always butcher this guy's name. I'm just going to call him. I'm just going to call him Yannick for now because yeah. I always blank <laughs> on his last name. Uh, go get him. Of course, he's unhappy there. Two one six area code. Uh, is there a realistic chance the Browns go for Trent Williams? It doesn't seem like something Andrew Barry would realistically do. I'll push back on that last part a little bit because Andrew Barry has certainly shown he'll be aggressive and wants to add talent. Uh, do is there a deadline here, Mary Kay, on, on a potential Trent Williams trade? Does it need to happen before the draft, or is it something that could happen after, depending how things shake out? You know, I think you want to end up with your left tackle out of this draft. So I do think it would have to happen on draft weekend. Uh, I don't think you can walk away from this draft without having your left tackle of the future. It's too important of a position. Andrew Barry even talked about that on Friday on his conference call. They kind of value right and left tackle equally, but very, very high up on the list. So that's going to have to get accomplished uh, on draft weekend. And, you know, again, I would explore it. I would definitely look into a Trent Williams trade. Uh, why? Because you know what you're getting. You're getting a, a seven-time pro bowler uh, who's going to step in there and give you basically Hall of Fame caliber left tackle play, which is 
what you had with Joe Thomas. So I would definitely look into it. It opens up possibilities for what you might want to do. I wouldn't give up a ton. I wouldn't give up a ton for it, but you can package some things. Uh, and, and it's definitely worth exploring. Uh, I would do that. And then, uh, you know, then you, you have some other options at number 10, including trading down and other things like that. As far as uh, Yannick is concerned, he's another one. I, I would look at it. I mean, a, a good, young pass rusher uh, that could come in here and, and really help transform your defense. And again, I think Andrew Barry will be characterized by aggression and trying to do some wheeling and dealing. Doug, we haven't had you on to talk about Trent Williams. I'm curious what, what you would think about a, a Trent Williams trade. And of course, you know, when we talk about it, we also have to talk about what would likely be an extension that would come with that trade. Yeah, so I, I like believing in yourself that you think you can draft the next Trent Williams at 10. And that's your left tackle answer. And so I would like to add a caveat to this. And, and I think people listening to this know this. Mary Kay knows things. I just think stuff. So I don't know anything here. But to me, it does seem to make sense. You wouldn't have wanted to go do something with Trent Williams now before the draft, right? Because now if he's your left tackle, then are you taking another tackle at 10? And like, well, what if Isaiah Simmons isn't there at 10? And you've filled both tackle spots. So now what do you – to me, it feels like maybe there's a world – and tell me if I'm nuts, Mary Kay, but, like, what if Isaiah Simmons does fall to 10? You say, okay, we're taking him at 10. Now we're looking for left tackle options because we didn't ha it didn't happen at 10. Now you can either use your second-round pick to take a left tackle. Mm -hmm. You could try to trade up or do something, or all of a sudden, now you are using maybe that second round pick or other capital to go get Trent Williams. And I think you've written, you've talked about that or written about that. The Isaiah Simmons, Trent Williams package might make sense to me to just get Trent Williams like before the draft, I think would have maybe sort of boxed you in right. if the draft didn't go the way you wanted it to go. Right. It's a draft day thing. You see how it falls. Do you see where it's going? If let's say for instance, that the three tackles that they absolutely love are off the board by number nine and they don't have their guy, you know, that, that just opens up new possibilities. And I know that Andrew Berry uh, has thought about, he's got contingency plans for his contingency plans. So they've, they've run through all these different mocks. And if it happens like that, you know, then you, you know, then maybe you do pick up the phone and you call, uh, the Washington Redskins you know I mean maybe somebody's going to call you for number 10 uh, because two is still available or something like that so I do think it is a draft day thing uh, and, I, and I think it's something that that could possibly come up and it might make sense now the other thing and Dan to your question about paying the money right paying the money that is hard right I mean like last year they gave up their first round pick to get Odell so they could pay him a bunch of money. Now, if you are trading a high pick to get another guy, you're going to pay a bunch of money. We just saw what happened with the LA Rams, who I have used as a previous example of like, hey, you do all this stuff, you go for it. And now they're in, in cap chaos and, and cutting guys. I, I think there reaches a point where you can't trade too many of your early picks for good established veterans that you have to pay. Or in a year or two, you're going to run out of money when it's time to pay your own dudes. Yeah, I mean, the, the salary cap in the NFL can be a little fake sometimes, and you can do some, some funky things. But, uh, I mean, the reality is you've got big money in J.C. Treader now, big money in Joel Batonio, big money in Jack Conklin. You trade for Trent Williams, you're going to have big money there. And now you've, you've got to start paying your young players that you hope start to turn this team around. 
that roster can get really expensive and, and those bills can come due uh, very, very quickly. Uh, some draft questions here. This is from the, three, the 732 area code who threw a few questions at us. And really this has to do sort of with order of position. Uh, so other than left tackle, we're going to start on the offensive side. What position group do you think the Browns attack in the draft on the offensive side of the ball uh, outside of left tackle? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lead off here. You go. I, I think tight end is kind of a sneaky position to keep an eye on. Uh, you've got David Njoku, obviously. You, you just paid Austin Hooper. Uh, you know, Steven Carlson is coming back. There's some guys there. But I still feel like if things broke a certain way in the second round, or even maybe later, I think tight end could be a sneaky position uh, to keep an eye on. I, I don't know if it's my – you know, I think right guard is one to watch too. But I just don't know. There's a part of me that wonders if tight end could be something to watch. Yeah, I mean, I could see that because obviously they love their tight ends and they need uh, two good ones on the field a lot of the time. Uh, another position that I'm looking at on offense would be wide receiver. I mean, you really have to start having contingency plans for what happens uh, after life after Odell, life after Jarvis. Both of those guys are coming off of surgeries and you never really know exactly how it's going to go. So it is time to start thinking about what's next. And of course, you're talking about a money situation with those guys as well in terms of their high salaries. So uh, I would probably be looking very seriously at a receiver pretty, pretty high. I mean, I would I would start looking at uh, with the number uh, 41 overall pick and then with those third round picks. Now, I, th I think that's really smart, Mary Kay, because I think when you're a good franchise, you're not drafting for the need you have now. You're drafting for the need you're going to have. And so I think a, a lot of us saw that, you know, when they drafted uh, Sione Takitaki and Mac Wilson last year. It's like, OK, well, maybe they're getting ready for to lose Joe Schobert and Christian Kirksey. And they draft Sheldrick Redwine and think, OK, maybe they're getting ready to lose Demarius Randall. The money that they have invested in, in Jarvis and Odell is so high. And it's right. If it works, it's worth it. But again, with the tough decisions down the road, boy, if you could find a receiver in the second or third round who then eases that pain if you have to move on from one of those guys. And then the immediate need, I don't know, is the right guard on the roster right now for sure? Is it Drew Forbes? I don't know. Like, is, there, is the starting right guard in 2020 definitely on the roster? Or could that guy maybe be in, that dra in this draft? I don't know. I think so. I, 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 think, I think that's I think... a good question. For Teller, yeah. or do you draft somebody? Yeah, I think it's a, it's, a, it's a very valid question. I mean, they are putting their resources into that offensive line, uh, mostly the tackles, but I could see them trying to find their right guard of the future as well. Okay, let's talk uh, positions on the defensive side. A lot of mocks, when they go two rounds deep, they have the Browns going safety uh, at, at number 41. Is that your top position right now? When you look at this roster, Doug, we'll start with you. Your top position, is it safety? Is there another position that you're kind of looking at saying, oh, I kind of wish if there's a guy there at 41, they go this way? Yeah, again, I think the, the how you value a position, right? Not just the talent, but what are the most important positions on your defense? And again, Olivier Vernon is making so much money. How long is he going to be a Brown? Like if there's a pass rusher there, you know, you're starting to think down the line because they have a lot of money invested. We know Freddie Kitchens talked last year about how the defensive line was the strength of this team. All those guys are back. But beyond the frontline guys, who are the guys that you're 100% sure that you believe in there? And so I know it seems like the whole world is going to drive to Minnesota and, and get Antoine Winfield Jr. down here if he's available um, to be a, a safety for the Browns. But is that the 
if it's a pass rusher or a safety, who changes your defense more? And again, not just looking this year, but down the line, I think it could be a pass rusher that you try to target. If there's a guy there that the talent, you know, is a second or third round talent, maybe you go for that and wait on safety. Yeah, I think, again, once again, when you look at the way they're building this team, it's quarterback centric. And if you can affect the quarterback, uh, you will have a much higher priority uh, than you will if you're, you're not closer to the quarterback, you're not getting to the quarterback, or you're not protecting the quarterback. Uh, so I would say that a, uh, a pass rusher, a good one, uh, they'll, they'll stay true to their board for sure. That, you know, if, if, if the safety is ranked a lot higher than the pass rusher, obviously they're going for the safety. Uh, but all things being equal, a pass rusher is going to trump a safety any day of the week. And, and I would be curious almost to get you guys, because, I, again, I don't know this for sure. I'm just so curious about the world in which, if you're taking a guy high, I think Joe Schobert is the example to me. Joe Schobert, fourth-round pick, first pick in the fourth round, did everything you would want him to do at linebacker. And then when he got to this point in his career, he was so good, you didn't want to pay him anymore. Nick Chubb has been an awesome second-round pick for them. But you see the, the deal Christian McCaffrey just got. When it comes time for Nick Chubb to get a second contract, anybody at that position, are they going to pay him? So then I start thinking, well, why would you draft anybody high that if they're good, you're not going to want to pay them on their second contract? So I'm only taking, in the first four rounds, I'm only taking corners, pass rushers, quarterbacks, and tackles, right? I mean, like I, I, I think you can go too far down that hole. Because Joe Schobert was a good pick for the Browns. It worked out. But again, so you pick a safety in the second round, and he's great, and then he leaves. So you get three or four years, it maybe helps you win. But I think a pass rusher, if he's great, you sign him to a second deal. So I'm inside my own head with that kind of thinking with sort of how this offseason has gone for the Browns. Well, I cannot wait next offseason to start talking about the Nick Chubb uh, I'm glad you brought up the Christian McCaffrey thing, the $16 million a year deal that Christian McCaffrey signed. I know he's obviously a little more versatile than Chubb, but Nick Chubb is seeing those dollar signs, and, and he's going to be extension eligible next year. He has another year on his contract after uh, 2020. He's under contract through 2021, but he's eligible for an extension. And, oh, I can't wait till the nonstop debates about paying Nick Chubb or not. <laughs> well, make no mistake. Uh, Capalytics is going to be very, very big in this regime. Uh, they're going to spend their money very wisely. Uh, they're going to be very organized in how they do it. And it will be uh, very analytic driven. They're going to spend their money and allocate it uh, in a very smart, smart way. And again, they've got a lot of Harvard educated people uh, looking at the cap now. So, uh, so that last batch of draft questions came from the 732 area code. He's one of our Football Insider subscribers. And I know that you're listening to this podcast and you want to get involved in Texter Tuesday. So you've got to sign up for Football Insider because it's the only place we take questions for this podcast. Whether it's Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, whatever day it is, it's the only place we do it. What is Football Insider? Well, Mary Kay, uh, me, Scott Patsko, Ellis Williams will text you throughout the day with the inside scoop and analysis We'll bring you breaking news, sometimes before it's even on our website. We'll give you instant analysis when there's press conferences, when there is breaking news. You can text with us directly, and we will text you back. And it's a great way, if you're tired of Twitter, Facebook, social media, it's a great way to interact with us directly. You also get a Football Insider newsletter every single morning. It's only for insiders. This is stuff that does not show up on cleveland.com slash browns anywhere. It's completely exclusive. Uh, Mary Kay did part of her Hey Mary Kay column today as part of the newsletter, a part that, that she left out of the online portion at cleveland.com. Scott did a breakdown of the uniform, the Browns uniform teaser video. 
and I I dug deep and I named the all Browns one and 31 team. I went position by position. I named the best players from that two-year span when they went one and 31. It was actually a little easier than I thought it would be. Uh, there's a 14-day free trial. You can cancel anytime with one text, but you're not going to want to cancel. We've had hundreds of subscribers join us over the last year, and I'm seeing that number grow every single day. Every day when I check in, that subscriber number keeps growing. So you want to get in on this. It's $3.99 a month after the trial's over. That's less than 14 cents a day. And you still have time to get involved in our digital draft event that we're going to have more details about coming up. So go to cleveland.com slash browns, click on the blue banner at the top of the page, or even easier, you can text me at 216-208-3965. Again, that's 216-208-3965. Okay, we're going to go a little different direction with these next questions, some bigger picture things and some non-sports things here before we get out. Uh, the first question I think is interesting because we know the answer, but but I think it's worth a little bit of a discussion from the 440 area code. Will the 2021 draft still be held in Cleveland or will it take place in Vegas since they won't be hosting this year's plan? Well, the answer is, of course, it will be in Cleveland still next year. Uh, Vegas will get a make good down the road. But I think what's interesting is Cleveland is going to be in that position of holding the first draft, at least, you know, hopefully <laughs> of holding that first draft post this pandemic when I still don't know how comfortable we're going to be or how able we're going to be to throw, you know, 100,000 people on the street together in a big festival setting. Uh, I'm curious how that's ultimately going to look when you guys kind of close your eyes and think about that. Can, can you even imagine that draft right now? Well, you know, I think it's going to be amazing. I think that if it happens the way everyone expects it to happen, I think that that Cleveland will absolutely 100% knock it out of the park. I think it's going to be a great event for Cleveland, for the city. I think, uh, you know, Cleveland will put on its uh, best face for the whole entire world. Uh, and I think it'll be great, but you do have to wonder. I mean, at this point still, we don't know where any of this is going yet. We don't know how any uh, large gatherings are going to look yet like yet even a year from now. I mean, we just truly don't know. And they talk about uh, a vaccine taking 18 months. Uh, and I'm sure they'll try to speed that up as fast as they can. Uh, but when you, when you hear about those kinds of things, you have to wonder if, if things even just a year out will be what you expect them to be. Here's hoping that we find every remedy. Here's hoping that we, uh, that we have a vaccine. I hope it's more than that though. I'm, I'm very big on finding uh, alternative remedies, and I don't mean things that don't have science behind them. I am very big on put clinical trials to them, but I've been reading a lot about, uh, you know, the IV drips that that China supposedly has been using. Uh, there, there's, there are some Arizona state doctors uh, that are, are really trying to uh, investigate and, you know, from a scientific way, some of the herbs that they're using in China and things like that. So I'm hoping, I, I believe that some of the answers are, are right there in nature and avail will be available to us. And that's a whole, I could do a whole podcast just on that. Um, but uh, so I'm hoping that that, that happens sooner than later. Uh, and I'm hoping that this draft obviously is everything everybody wants it to be next year. So I, uh, I was thinking about this this weekend because the Ohio State football spring game was supposed to be over the weekend. And that's a game, it's a, it's a, it's a practice but Ohio State has drawn 100,000 people for that before. And I wrote about the idea that I, that I hope a year from now, that could almost be like a reopening. So the idea that you could have 100,000 people 
um, in Columbus for a Ohio State football practice and then have a giant draft event 10 days later. All I will say is we, nobody knows what's going to happen. I, I trust Ohio as much as any state in the nation, the way Ohio has handled this so far. So if Ohio, we don't know, maybe we'll have normal football in the fall. Maybe it'll be, who knows what it's going to be. If it does turn out that next spring is sort of like the reawakening of the sports world in this country, Ohio is the best place you could do it because Ohio has handled its business since this whole thing started. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's hard to argue with that. They, Mike DeWine and, and Dr. Amy Acton have, have done a great job so far. And, uh, you know, it's going to be interesting to watch how Cleveland deals with this. You know, I'm almost certain we won't have a, vir- a virtual draft next year. Yeah, you never say never. Uh, but again, I, I don't think there's going to be a situation where we just flip a switch and you've got 100,000, 200,000 people on the street together again. So we'll kind of see where we're at uh, this time next year. Uh, but I, I think Cleveland, like you said, Doug, and Ohio are going to be well equipped to deal with this. Uh, well, so on, speaking of Dr. Amy Acton, you guys, she did say today that masks, we could be wearing these masks for a year. So, you know, we might be having the Ohio State spring game and we might be having the draft, but we, we might all have our masks on for it. But that's okay. We'll take it. That's true. Uh, 216 area code. Here we go. You got to pick a past sporting event. Would you like to see replayed during the current downtime in live sports? It's, it's what all these sports networks are doing. They're replaying live, they're replaying past events. ESPN pushed up that Michael Jordan documentary. It's, it's going to start airing next week. So is there a past sporting event in your mind that, that you want to see re-aired on TV? Hmm. I would Doug, say, you know. I think the obvious one is probably the, the 1980 Olympics, the USA-Russia game. I, that's probably been re-aired somewhere, but that's always one that if, if that's on, you're going to watch the third period of that game. Yeah. yeah, I haven't done a ton of the rewatch culture. Maybe the 1964 NFL championship game that the Browns won. I think I, Browns fans I, would have an interest in that one. I'd take a gander at that, baby. Um, I know there's been so much on um, – I mean, it's crazy how much. I mean, the Masters, the '86 Masters was just on. They've they've reshown like Game Seven of the Indians Cubs World Series. I mean, there's been so many things um, that are on. But I would be more interested in like the stuff that, you know, I'd like to see like a 1908 Indians game. I don't know if anybody like filmed that stuff or whatever they were, the Spiders or something. Like the if I've seen it at my even in times like this, my interest is if I've never seen it before, I'm interested in that. Some old, some old. Yeah, I mean. I, I would agree with Doug. I, I'd probably rather go back and see um, the good old days of um, of the Cleveland Browns, the, the 64 championship game. And I wouldn't mind seeing, and maybe it's because, you know, I, I lived some of it, you know, some of the, some of the Browns, the last time that they were so exciting, uh, you know, those AFC championship teams and then, you know, the Bernie Kosar years and stuff like that. I would I wouldn't mind uh, seeing the double overtime game against the Jets again. That was fun. I think we all remember that one. Uh, so you know, just some of the let the good times roll a little bit. Could we get somebody to like re-air all the heartbreaking Browns losses that everybody always references, but like edit the endings? So have it be that like there is no drive, there is no fumble. Like just show the full game, and then at the end, it's like. You know, and John Elway is intercepted and the Browns win. Like that, that, <laughs> that I would watch. CGI. Yeah, then they should be able to do that with CGI nowadays, right? 
Yeah. yeah. Let's get Dave Anderson on that. Maybe he can fix that. Let's change. Here, this is a little inside baseball. You, our, our video guy, Dave Anderson, he's kind of in the background of this, listening to every word we say, but, uh, but you can't see him. So shout out to Dave Anderson. Okay. Now, I don't know if I'm going to be talking to myself on this one or not, but from the 773 area code, uh, talking about the Superior Show. And again, maybe I'm going to end up talking to myself here. Parks and Rec and 30 Rock. Have either of you watched those? Mm-hmm. Okay. Parks yes. and Rec. Parks and Rec is on in this house all the time. My, my daughter absolutely loves Parks and Rec, and it is so funny. Uh, I'm not very familiar with 30 Rock. I probably would okay. like to go back and watch it, but I can say Parks and Rec is hilarious, absolutely hilarious. The question here, and for me, this is like picking between, like, this is like my favorite child, right? The, the question here is which show is better, Parks and Rec or 30 Rock? The, the, the texter leans Parks and Rec, you know, thinks maybe 30 Rock is a little more pompous, but, you know, I, I, I mean, I love them both. They're, they're both great rewatches. I think that's a good point. I actually think 30 Rock is one of the starkest examples of a show that had an awful pilot and turned out to be a great show. I watched that first episode of 30 Rock and I was like, I like Tina Fey. This show stinks. And then it was great after that. They figured it out. But I feel like they're both very funny. Parks and Rec has a little more heart. So I think funny with heart, you know, 30 Rock's a little more cynical. One's in New York City and one's in Indiana, you know. So I think I would lean Parks and Rec by a little bit. I think I, you know, I'd love to like ratchet up the debate here and say, no, 30 Rock's better. You know, Alec Baldwin was awesome and, you know, Team Tina Fey. But in Parks and Rec, you got Aziz Ansari kind of breaking out in that show. And, you know, outside of the last season, it was, I mean, they, they kind of hit every single note. Here's the real question. Parks and Rec or The Office? Ooh. I might lean Carell. I'd probably lean Office slightly. I'm Office. I'm probably Office. I mean, I burst out laughing, you know, several times uh, watching The Office, you know, and, and I do during Parks and Rec as well, but I laugh a lot during The Office. Steve Carell's well, darn funny. My, my hot take here is Parks and Rec. I'm, I'm team Parks and Rec on this one. Although I didn't, I, I liked The Office. It was fine. I, I laughed at it. There were there were funny moments, but I just Parks and Rec is still. I, I I'm going to take that one over The Office. Parks and Rec also had a small horse, and I mean, everybody loves a small horse. Exactly. <laughs> and uh, Chris Pratt's band was was incredible. If if we had the rights to it, I'd play the uh, I'd play the song here, but we don't, so I don't want to get us in trouble or cost us any money. All right, that will do it for our Texture Tuesday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Again, if you want to get involved in this, we do it every single Tuesday. We only take questions from our football insiders, so head to cleveland.com slash browns and get signed up for that. Try out that free trial. That'll get you two Texture Tuesdays if you sign up for that free trial, and then you can make a decision if you want to stick around, and you probably will want to. So uh, thanks, Doug, for uh, joining us here for the first time. We'll be seeing you and, and hearing from you a little more on this podcast. We do it via video, so that's why I keep saying seeing, even though you guys have your, your earbuds in and are listening to us. And uh, also thanks to Mary Kay, as always. I'm Dan. Thanks for listening, everybody. 